Today, we are going to be talking about The Nut Job 2, Annabelle Creation, and in our Tube Talk segment, we are going to be talking about Game of Thrones and wrap up our thoughts on Master of None Season 2. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. And today, I am here with Joel Boyband Cunningham. Is that because I was singing earlier? Yes. Singing well. Yeah, he was singing NSYNC. I'm thinking you're... <laughs> you can't out me like this, Matt. You can't out me like that. We kind of sing it together. It's okay. It makes me sound like I just do nothing but wander around and sing boy band songs. You know what? It's I was okay. never a big boy band fan. That's okay. That was one of the things that I was pleasantly happy with that when we moved into the 2000s, we kind of got away from that a little bit. This a little. was big in the 90s, and then we kind of... It was like late 90s. It bled over into the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, it picked up again with like One Direction and stuff. And Justin Bieber was kind of his own boy band, I guess. I don't know. That, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Boy person. We moved on. Because, <laughs> you know, we had Boys the Men. We had Backstreet Boys. We had Sync, We had, I don't mean, there's like. Yeah, O-Town. And, O-Town. Um, 98 Degrees. Yeah. A lot of them are streets and, and like locations. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why, but yeah. Back alleyway. Back alleyway dudes. boys. They're yeah. like, they sing a little bit edgier stuff. And who am I, Joel? <laughs> yeah, Matt, you are Matt. We're all going to die. Hey, <laughs> okay. that's who you are, which okay. I'll tell you a bit about that in a little while. I'm so excited to hear about what that means, because right now I'm kind of just smiling, but I don't really know yeah, why. It's but... not as great as you think. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, ties excited. into our film that we're going to, what I'm going to be talking about. Well, awesome. Well, yeah. now, now you know who, who we are, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to the show. And uh, yeah, this is a real review. And just to give you... Uh, a refresher or a reminder, especially if you're tuning in for the first time, mm-hmm. what we do here on The Real Review is we talk about movies. We talk yeah. about uh, movie news. We talk about TV. Uh, but specifically in this one, we're, we're talking about uh, two movies in particular. But mm-hmm. what we do is we approach it from two different angles. See, Joel is on the analytical, critical side of things, kind of like what you yes. see the Rotten Tomatoes score is. I'm more on the fan. Uh, did I enjoy it? It like am, am I emotionally satisfied yes. side of it, and then we kind of blend it together, which to give ties you... into a good topic to discuss real quick, what? or make mention of. I should say that I'm now working on. I'm doing written reviews. Written reviews yes. on our website, right? On our website, yeah. So you know what that reminds me. How can they mm-hmm. check out the written reviews? <laughs> you, we're just constant segues. This I is know. all our a whole. It's just going to be segue after segue. It's into, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell everybody so, how do they can get connected? How they can see these new written reviews? Yeah. So those will be posted on our website, which That's is awesome. realreviewmedia.com. Yes. It's always a great place to get connected to us. We're always putting uh, cool things up there, videos, um, reviews, podcast links, news articles, and things. Uh, Matt, you do a great job with that. I actually posted a video link. I uh, saw that. Did you see that? Yeah. It's a really cool video. It's made by the Filmmaker IQ crew, which they have some good videos, and it goes through, and it actually breaks down all of the individuals that are involved with the film production in the credits. And so I, I That's always, why it's a mile long. Yeah. And I like to stay sometimes and watch those, especially for films that I really like because I'm kind of interested in that stuff. Yeah. And, um, some people are just like, what's that? What's a gaffer? What is a, you know, a colorist or a painter? Like, you know, so it's a great way to get to know what those, yeah. are, you know, those people are. Um, but that's a great way to get connected. I'm going to be posting our written reviews as they come out. Um, I don't think we'll get to every film. 
um, that we get a chance to watch. Our but, main reviews will but, be on here still, but yeah. We'll yeah, I, I'm going to do my best to get to a lot of the ones that I get a chance to see and kind of put those up there and get some added kind of places that people can check out reviews on content and stuff. Cool. But then additionally, we would love to get connected with our listeners on the podcast at the uh, social media sites we have, which is facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. Um, additionally, we have Twitter and Instagram, or Graham, as I'm hearing a lot of people call it now. Instagram, IG, so just calling it Graham. Something. The Graham? Yeah, some people call it IG, some people call it Insta. Now I just hear it called Graham. So it's, it's soon we're just going to call it Ih, and then it'll be it. Yeah. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> connected on both of those, which is at uh, Real Review Media for both of those locations. And then, as always, we would love to hear from you guys. Maybe get some information. One of the things I thought would be really cool the other day was if some of our lo- uh, listeners sent us some of their reviews on yeah, some of the films that, that we, cool. we talk about on the show. Um, you can definitely reach us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Yeah. There you go. And if uh, Joel and I really differ on a grade mm-hmm. of, a, of a movie, just tell us who you side with. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> we'll get into a huge argument again over it. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Anyways, so that's that's how you can get connected with us. Do it. It's awesome. And uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we got two movies. We mm-hmm. already we already talked about this, but yes. I am... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it, and I want to hear about your review because you gave me kind of the first yeah. line of your review for it. And... I'm more excited about talking about your film, really, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that line in particular, we'll just we're getting into the reviews now. Yeah, let's I'm do just, it. Okay. Let's, let's just dive it right in and start with the nut job too. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that line. Uh, let me give the synopsis here, and then I'll tell you about that line. So uh, the nut job two, nutty by nature. Uh, this following the this the synopsis for this is following the events of the first film. Surly and his friends must stop Oaktown City's mayor from destroying their home to make way for a dysfunctional amusement park. It's directed by Cal Brunker. It stars the voice acting of Will Arnett, Catherine Heigl, Maya Rudolph, Jackie Chan, Isabella Moner, uh, Peter Stormare, Bobby Cannavale. There's a bunch of folks. I mean, there's a whole cast of animals that they did voices for, and some of them more well-known than others. Um, Those are pretty much the biggest... uh, as far as voice acting goes, the biggest roles, I would say Surly in particular, Will Arnett. Uh, very recognizable voice. I actually really like Will Arnett. <laughs> yeah, I'm me a big too. fan of him. Yeah, he's great. Um, especially on Arrested Development. I thought he was awesome. Whatever, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, Michael. We all know you're, the, you're, you're the favorite account. of the family. Yeah, I mean, he's just got so many great one-liners in the show. Everybody does. But um, <laughs> he himself is just a really funny guy to me. I don't know if he does stand-up. I always felt like he would be really funny in stand-up. But uh, I don't know if he actually yeah, does stand-up. I don't know either. Stand-up good question. He's got kind of a funny... He's got like this weird cocksure type nature to himself mm-hmm. mixed with this like severe sense of like not being good enough so yeah. and that if, if he had a character like that he didn't stand up i think that would just right. be really funny. <laughs> so um that line in particular though the one i said we're all gonna die there was a mouse um that in the entire film probably said that maybe like i think five times really and it was an ongoing joke it was like the catchphrase yeah it was yeah. like every time something bad happened he would go we're all gonna die and it just got really annoying like the first time it was like a minor chuckle and they tell him and like then it to happened calm down. four times more yeah and then the spoilers at the very end of the movie when they find out they're not gonna die he goes we're all gonna live <laughs> it was like you know the payoff for that one <laughs> throughout the course of the movie they were playing the long game yeah i mean <laughs> that's the great synopsis for the film right there i mean it was just kind of like same like in your face in your face in your face and then try trying to do something unexpected but having it be the complete most non a lot of slapstick and stuff yeah so i'll talk about some good stuff in a second um this film was direct directed by cal brunker he's not known for too much outside of this film at this point he was the i believe the storyboard artist 
which is saying a lot, but the art director or storyboard artist from uh, Despicable Me 3 huh. or Despicable Me, um, he's on board to direct the next nut job film. They're going to do which, another one. Yeah. I imagine they will. They, they, I never thought they would be this big. Yeah. The weird thing about this is I don't think they spent a lot of money on, to be honest, on animation. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I think they pumped it out pretty quick. Um, I don't think it cost them a lot of money. And the audience was, I went on Sunday during a matinee at about 12 o'clock, which is not normal for me. But the really key for me on that was I didn't want to spend a lot of money on this. Right. So I'm like, let's just get in there, cheapest <laughs> cost ticket as I can get. So uh, there was a pretty packed, I mean, it wasn't packed, but it was at least half full. With like the millennials theater. and older people? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I came in a little bit late, right when the first preview was starting to roll. So lights were already down and I didn't look at anybody. Like I just like completely kept my head down, went straight to a seat. And uh, then when the lights came up at the end, I was like quickly out of there, but I glanced over and there was just, it was all kids. Wall to wall kids. Yeah, see you okay. kids. Um, and that's kind of what I my feeling on this movie. I'm going to get into yeah. you know, reviewing it, but I think it's a kid movie. Okay. You know? Um, so additionally, it's uh, the production studio behind this is Open Road, uh, I believe Open Road Films or Open Road Productions. They're not really known for their animation. Um, and I think that that shows definitely with a bit of the animation here. Uh, it's not a DreamWorks film as far as DreamWorks has uh you know a couple good things going on for it as far as films sony pictures as well they their films are kind of being horrible right now but their actual animation you know we talked about this with the emoji movie you know still looked good i thought all their animation looked good um looks good like the animation quality yeah Yeah, so i mean obviously pixar it looked good but this um open road i think they have a little bit of a ways to go when it comes to their animation so um to get into a couple good aspects um crud um i'm like stumped almost already (laughs) (laughs) i've backed myself into a corner on the review (laughs) what do you like about it joel the there was a couple elements to the story that i thought were good um it it wasn't as straightforward as i felt like it was gonna be like i thought that they would pretty much just gonna go like the same like the beats were gonna be very blah 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 and it was kind of like that but they added a little bit of depth to the character there was like a Romantic relationship that was going on between um, the main squirrel guy, which is Surly, um, and Catherine Heigl's character, which she just she's been picking horrible movies, unfortunately, <laughs> um, Andy. And so they play this kind of back and forth thing between them, where they they kind of love each other, but they're like I don't know, afraid to get into a relationship with each other. Um, I didn't see the first one, so I should say that as well. Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of people are saying that this is actually better than the first one. So, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's saying a lot, but um. There was a little bit of depth there. I mean, because she is, Andy's constantly like this voice of reason, and she's also trying to get the animals to make sure they don't lose their. The film starts, they have this home, and it's this nut shop, I guess, at the end of the first film. That's kind of where they ended up. And they're, all the animals are in there, and they've kind of just grown very content with living in the nut shop and eating all the, the nuts that are in the nut shop. This is, this and, is uh, like taking place in real world. Yeah. And there's like, an, they have an actual store. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're in a store that's in a city and we talked about the city and the store is, you know, where they're all at and she's very concerned that they're getting too content and they're losing all their like animal instincts to like hunt and find food and to store things for the winter. And so her big, her big thing is just like, well, don't be too crazy. Don't go too far with it. And she's very anti the shop. And so it creates this contention between, and that's what I'm saying. It sounds maybe a little deep. It's not that deep. It's like, they talk about this in like two sentences and then they move on, but there is a little bit of that, which was nice. It wasn't just like, Oh no, the nut shop blew up. We have to find more food. It was like, okay, well they're talking about animal instincts and their purpose. And you know, she's kind of, 
using his personality against him at times to like get him to she kind of manipulates him at times to do things that he needs to do. So there's some depth there. And then there's also kind of a romantic relationship um, between the dog Precious, which is Maya Rudolph's character, um, and the other dog named Frankie, which I thought was actually really funny and cute. I thought that their relationship was actually kind of fun. And those two, I actually kind of wish they'd played up that a little bit more. Okay. It was kind of just there. And it was like a B story, but I wanted a bit more of it. Mm-hmm. Um so that was okay. Um, there wasn't anything horrendous with the animation, although the big thing with it is I felt like the physics were actually off. And in a film that relied so heavily on slapstick and things exploding and you know people going or animals going flying across the you know the the screen and stuff, that's very important that you have good physics to your, so <laughs> your animation. A little bit more like Looney Tunes. Kind yeah, of. like things wouldn't react properly when they landed and it didn't really even feel like Looney Tune. It just felt like it wasn't really in the, it wasn't really absorbing the environment of like actual gravity, which I know that sounds silly, but you know, if you watch it, if you watch most animated films these days by the major studios, you can sense that there's like a gravity, like when the characters are falling, they look like they're falling. Mm -hmm. When this film, it didn't really even look like they were falling. It kind of just looked like they were slowly descending and then they would just (laughs) kind of like lightly fall and kind of move on. Okay. So there was just a bit to that, that it feels like they need a bit more progression with open road studios. Um, But there wasn't anything awful. It didn't feel like it was like, okay, that's just weird or bad. There was a moment in the scene uh, of a dog vomiting that I didn't need. That was grotesque and awful. (laughs) That was kind of like, um, should so it, yeah, it should my have been a PG review. thirteen rating because of that. <laughs> it no. was way over the top. To be honest, <laughs> the dog could have vomited, and you didn't have to see it. But they do like a close up shot of the dog vomit, and then they proceed to eat the dog vomit, and it's just disgusting. Um, spoilers, you know, that's a part of that. I, I talk about part of that in my written review. Okay, kind of reminding me of the film as a whole. Um, you can guess where that's you know tying in. So. I'm trying to think if there's any other really good positives. There really wasn't a whole lot. Even the voice acting was okay, but it really felt, I think it felt that they weren't, here's what I would say. Nothing about this except for a couple areas where it's like awful. Um, But for the most part, it all was just kind of below and subpar. It just felt kind of lackadaisical. It felt a little rushed. It felt like they they never reached any depth. Um, and so that in and of itself kind of made it not the worst animated film that I've ever seen. Um, it just felt a little bit like kind of simplified and phoned in. Um, I'll get into some of the more bad stuff now because I think I have a lot more that I can say there. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things is a film like this is obviously it's targeted towards kids, um, but it's a kids comedy adventure film. And so the comedy needs to be on point. Like you need to have funny stuff that's happening, excuse me, with the characters and they weren't funny at all. Every single joke. And I was expecting a lot of puns and I wasn't let down, but there wasn't all puns. Like there was a couple, but for the most part, it was just really bad joke writing. It just really felt, you know, like the whoever the joke people were that were writing this. And there's six writers on this film. Oh you know, gosh. the director's one of them. I'm like, couldn't you get rid, gotten rid of one of them and just had somebody come in that's like a comedian and just have them spruce up the jokes, you know, put a little bit in there. It was always like set up, like set up payoff. Set They've up done payoff, that in Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean that's all they need to do. They had is Dan Harmon come type up a bunch of stuff for Doctor Strange. Yeah. See, that's all in my mind. That would have immediately elevated this movie into a better, a better echelon, a higher echelon. That was just one aspect. Every joke felt like it was like one layer deep. It was like somebody would set it up and then they would pay it off. How did the kids up, respond though? I heard a couple kids kind of chuckle and okay. kind of laugh. I feel like this is the kind of movie that 
the target audience would be a person that's like under the age of five because there's a lot of, you know, explosions and fast moving things and stuff happening on screen like and bright for, colors. It's for but, our ADD generation. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, there's nothing in it other than that, like vomit scene. There's no like sexual humor. There's no like blood. There's, there's one scene of minor like peril with one of the characters, but it's more of like a moral lesson type thing that this character has to like learn this moral lesson surly because he, he made a mistake and he's being cocky. Um, I actually really enjoyed that. That is one thing I can say that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed Jackie Chan as Mr. Fang. Mm. He was kind of the highlight of the film for me. He played like the little mouse character, um, but he's like a Kung Fu master that they got kicked out of this park that got turned into a golf course. And so he's very vengeful and he taught this whole army of mice to be Kung Fu masters. And they're actually pretty funny and they're actually pretty cool. And they had a cool like style to them. And Jackie Chan was perfect for that voice and that character of the mouse. And you can almost like feel his like, Kung Fu-ness in the mouse, okay, nice. which is weird. It's hard to explain, but they did a really good job with that. And I was like, can we just get more Mr. Fang? Like, I would have loved to have him, but he only played like maybe 10, 15 minutes of That's what time. they're going to do for the spinoff in the Nutjob universe. I would actually probably start. like that a lot more. I think the two, the, two, the two plot lines that I would have actually really enjoyed that they played it up, one of the main issues as well was the whole story was pretty much about Surly and Surly's perspective and Surly doing different things. And he was the least interesting character. I've seen this character so many times. It's this cocksure, really bold, brash, kind of rebellious character that, you know, has a good heart. He's kind of that anti-hero, but, you know, he, he wants what's best for people, but he's he kind of does what he wants as well. Like so the he has to work out. over the hedge. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. And I, I could care less about him, though. Like, you know the course that he's going on. You know exactly where he's headed. But um, Jackie Chan's character, I thought was great. Mr. Fang was like, play him up, add him a ton more. And then the romantic relationship between Frankie and Precious was actually really funny. Frankie's like this Jersey kind of, he's like, hey, how are you? And Precious is this... Um, this bulldog, or not bulldog, sorry, a pug, and they fall in love with each other, and she's kind of disgusted by him, but she kind of is interested in him at the same time, and so there's kind of this tension that's between the two of them, um, and that would have actually been really fun to see that kind of them play off of each other and go on their own little adventures and stuff like that. I would have really enjoyed that, but I didn't, and that was the big thing. I didn't get enough. There was a couple things that I liked that I that they didn't give anywhere near enough of, so it all just ended up being very average. So the animation wasn't the greatest. I think overall the story uh, felt really flat. The jokes were really bland. Like I mentioned, they all felt like they were one layer deep. You kind of knew exactly the joke, what it was going to be, um, and where it was going to go. As soon as they said the setup, you knew what the payoff was going to be. Um, the characters were not, except for like Mr. Fang and Precious and um, Frankie, the characters weren't that great. The little girl, Heather, she was like an exact, like almost exact a uh, copy clone of the little girl from Finding Nemo. Okay. Like, like literally they took away the girl's braces and yeah. they stuck her in this movie and that's her. She's just crazy. Yeah, she's like, she yells and she's like, do what I want now. And she's just like, she gets overexcited about things and she's violent and she's aggressive. Like that's the exact character that this little girl plays and she's the daughter of the mayor. And the mayor plays this like Texan like, gonna make my money. <laughs> like the dumbest, like, you know, most flat, like, character it's you know and and like bad guy ever you know <laughs> and so the whole plot of the progression is yeah there's their their nut shop blows up and they have to make they have to find a new place to live and find food and so they want to live in this park but the mayor wants to turn it into a a playground like a an adventure place i'm sorry a theme park yeah and the the animals don't want that so they start fighting them and then he fights back and then they have to fight back, and it's like, you know, that's the whole thing. And you yeah. know where it's going to go. It's like, you know, the animals are going to win. They're going to save the day, yeah. and they're going to have their happy park. And and so the jokes weren't funny. 
And so that made things very boring because you kind of knew where the plot was going. The characters, for the most part, were very obvious, and in, I kind of knew what they were doing with each of the characters mm-hmm. in every single moment. So there just wasn't a lot to latch onto, and I really ended up just being bored. Okay, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't so bad that I got mad at it, you know, because it just it just felt bland. It just felt like kind sure. of like flat. No, I so, got you. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about okay. it because I feel like that's I I I written I wrote notes on it, but that's really just a synopsis for I think how I did. All right, I got gotcha. you. Yep. So overall rating for this film, I'm giving it a D plus. Um, All right, sixty nine. That's kind of where I'm at with it, like sixty eight, sixty nine. But it would have been like a B if you were five. If I was five, yeah. I mean, I would have just enjoyed the flashy visuals and the fun, you know. Yeah, you wouldn't have given it a letter and, grade if you were five. You would have yeah, said four gold stars. I mean, they like there's a part in like the first quarter of the film where the animals get into the park and they have to fight off the humans that are trying to bulldoze it to yeah. to make room for the theme park. And there's like you know slow motion action scenes where like somebody gets bit and you know like the one of the things flips over the animals and. There's like a fight scene between all the animals and the humans in the theme park later, and it's just over the top ridiculous. Yeah. So kids are going to love that because yeah. it's just like animals doing crazy things and explosions and fun and cartoony violence. So kids will love that. Um, and I think for a parent as well, there's nothing offensive about the film. There's nothing in it that like on either spectrum, if you're like super this or super that, yeah. you're really going to have <laughs> any offense by it, unless you just get offended by everything. Gotcha. You know? So good film for kids. Okay. That's what I would say. Yeah, cool. but I was hoping for more. I was hoping, I felt like if they could have gotten the humor there, this is the last thing I'll say, they could have gotten the humor there. Um, if they could have developed those other story elements out a little bit that I felt like were kind of interesting and a little bit less standard, um, it could have been okay. It could have been interesting. I got you. Yeah. Well, um, good to hear. 69% D+. So um, I got a chance to see another movie. Yes, you did. And uh, it's a little bit different. Opposite end of the spectrum is kind of what I'm vibing here. It might be a bit tonal difference. Uh, Tonal shift, you guys. But they're both about like kids things, you know, dolls or animals. And I I, I (laughs) mentioned a number of times on the show before, uh, going to scary movies with my dad has been a thing since I was really young and... um, and yeah, so my dad and I went to go see Annabelle Creation. Mm. Um, and real quick, I, I want to give you time to talk no, about this. It. Have you seen the other other films that are related to this? Because it takes place in the Conjuring, in the Conjuring universe. universe. Yes, yeah. I've seen all of them. Yeah, okay. I've seen all of them. Okay. Um, and the uh, so the synopsis here is 12 years after the tragic death of their little girl, a doll maker, and his wife welcome none and several girls from a shuttered orphanage into their home, soon becoming the target of the doll maker's possessed creation Annabelle. Um, and it's directed by uh, David F. Sandberg and also stars Stephanie Sigmund, um, Talitha Bateman, uh, Lula Wilson, Miranda Otto, Anthony LaPaglia, uh, among others. So this, I will say, is better than the first Annabelle. <laughs> and the first, this is actually a prequel to the Kay. first Annabelle. Okay. This is better, um, decently better. Uh, but I still felt like it was just okay. Okay. And I, I wanted to like it more because I know it's getting relatively good ratings yeah. from critics and viewers alike, but there's some stuff on it that really bothered me. And I think this is my problem going in with, you know, being that fan perspective. And and when a movie burns me a certain way, I feel like I it just, I can't, I can't escape it. I can't escape why it's, you know, bothering me so much. So yeah. let's start off with some of the good stuff here. First of all, I think the star of the movie, if you can call it that, and I want to say the star of the movie is David Sandberg, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the he he has a script. He does what he can with the script and directing his actors and actresses the best that he can. And um, my a lot of the problems I have with our script things. Yeah. Um, but he he did Lights Out and I actually watched it before I went to go see this movie again. I watched Lights Out again. I like Lights Out a lot. So it's a fun, scary movie. If there can be such a thing, it's just kind of a fun, <laughs> scary movie um, where like... You it's and I not, have vastly different definitions right? of fun at the moment. So this is a scary <laughs> movie, but it's it's not a fun, scary movie. It's kind of almost scary, a, scary, scary, scary. Like, ugh. is it like a horror scary at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, what I liked about it is it's filmed really, really well, and the cinematographer does a great job. It, it, everything is is very uh, tonally on point with what this needs to be, and it's mm-hmm. very intense. Um, very ominous. The house that they're in, the doll. Whenever you see that doll, it's like, Ugh, stop it! Yeah, yeah, I was watching some interviews they were doing of the girls that are in the film, yeah. and they had the doll sitting behind them. And I'm like, I can't even watch this interview because <laughs> it just scares me to watch that doll. Um, and I will say this: I do like how they tied it into the first Annabelle movie, and they do tie it in pretty directly to the first Annabelle movie. Gotcha. It's. I like that part. I was like, oh, okay, I see. I understand. This makes sense. And it doesn't feel like it's a shoehorn to try and make it fit one. I was like, yeah. oh, I gotcha. Right. Um, so that was cool. But as far as um, the movie, the good things, the acting was good. Uh, there's one one of the girls, uh, one of the main girls, I didn't think she was great all the time. She was mediocre most of the time, but sometimes really decent. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, other than that, um, the obviously then it looking it looking really good. Uh, it was intense. Um, everything was ramping up. The score was very minimal too. There's a lot of just like nothing, hmm. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, there was times of like musical flourishes, some jump scares. Um, uh, most of them were deserved jump scares though, yeah. where something actually happens and not something where like some cat is like in the corner, you know, <laughs> yeah, and like jumps up and they're like, ah, cat, get away from here. Um, but uh, that's that's really it. Um, I had my biggest problem with this movie. I'm going to dive into the bads now. Okay, is the people didn't act like real people. Um, and I think it was the way they were written. And w- what I mean by that is which people the main everybody like everybody wow. everybody made dumb decisions oh, and I I, gi- I know and I give the pass a lot of times to because a lot of horror movies one of the cliche things is you're going to have people that make dumb decisions when uh, they, they joke about it in Scream even you know where yeah. they're kind of poking fun of they're like why do you run upstairs when you could just run out the front door right <laughs> you know? I mean they made fun of it as well in like scary movie right Not scary movies right. where they make fun of exactly and yeah. but it was like every character made dumb decisions mm. there's one there's one in particular <laughs> that I like looked at my dad and laughed. I was like, are you kidding me oh, right wow. now? So like somebody dies in this house yeah. and he's like mangled. <laughs> like it's, it's, you can clearly tell it's not like he died of natural causes. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And, and, and he gets shipped off and like the ambulance like thing carries him away. And the, and the girls are like, and like all the, the girls that this nun is taking care of in this house, they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And nun's like, don't worry about it. Just go back inside and go to bed. And I'm like, go what? back inside this house yeah. where this person was just mangled? <laughs> Who like, mangled what? him? How, he, how did he get mangled? How, like are, you would, yeah. how are you okay with that? Yeah. Like, um, And then wow. And there's other parts where the girl's like, she sees weird stuff. Like there's this 
probably one of the best scenes in the movie. It ha- involves like the sheet yeah. over a person. And I think it's in the, one of the trailers. I don't want to talk about it because it was my favorite part. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was really scary. Right. And I was like, oh, this is intense. And then later she's like, okay, I'm going back to bed. You know, like, yeah. what? You? Yeah. I would be running away. I would be gone. <laughs> yeah. I would be, I'd be like, that's kind of I'm out of here, guys. We've, I, fe- I felt like as a culture, we had moved on from those types of no, horror and, movies. No, and that's where the writing bugs me because yeah. David Sandberg did a great job directing what he had, but it was written in such a way where these characters are like, these girls, these are young girls too. They're like, they're like from 10 to like 16 years old. Yeah. And I, I would be out. I would be so out. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would, but for some reason they're like, okay, I'm just going to brush it off. It's my imagination playing yeah, with me. If somebody like, in no a way. house died and we didn't know the causes and they were mangled like horribly, I don't think I would just be like, yeah, I'm just going to spend that. I would at least have the police investigate. I would at least want some people there. I would probably right. get a hotel room for a few weeks. Okay. I, <laughs> I just keep thinking like, cause we've, uh, not to interrupt your you're flow fine, you're or fine. anything like that, but like there's been movies that have parodied this now. We have Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Mm-hmm. We've also had movies that have kind of broken down. You know, you talk about Scream, but we've also had like Cabin in the Woods yeah, where they kind of that's, break that's down. <laughs> yeah, the stereotypes of what you get in a horror film and kind of plays off of those. And it's like you would, you would, I get why that would be a frustration is what yeah. I'm saying, even, have, even not having seen it. There's an instance where um, <laughs> this girl is like sitting in her room like staring out into this hall, it's completely black. Yeah, and she's doing something, and it's like involves this ball, and <laughs> she's she it, like she's the ball like gets it. stopped, oh. like and like and like something's got it. Yeah, and and then you hear like footsteps running towards the door, and she's like backing up like super slow. I'm like you hear it getting closer, and then instead of closing the door she just runs up onto her bunk and like hides i'm like close the door then do it oh, like man. lock the door do something you yeah, know yeah 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 oh man it was just it was this idiotic decision after idiotic decision and yeah. i can overlook that like i'm very uh gracious when it comes to that i like to like be like all right there's going to be some people not everybody's going to have their wits about them all the time and right. really know what they're doing yeah and i got to give them that that benefit of the doubt that oh something really freaky is happening maybe you don't have your logic with you at that moment but everybody every second it doesn't make any sense to a certain degree yeah and so i was really bothered by that um as a whole all the parts that were supposed to be really scary like especially towards the end where stuff like goes down like kind of to the nth degree yeah it was really really well done Mm -hmm. um and i remember watching the first Annabelle and some of the stuff that happens towards the end, it was almost like cheesy, kind of weird. Like that's, that's weird. Um, yeah. And there's like, for example, there's like a moment where they show like this demon in the first Annabelle movie and it's like kind of like really well lit and they've done that in like insidious and stuff like that. And it worked because you don't see like the whole thing, but like you see it like crawling on the wall. You're like, that's and in the, like light. It's like lit. Yeah. Well. This does it shows you just enough but not too much mm-hmm. and i felt like the first one showed too much and you're gotcha. like, that kind of looks like a dude in a suit you know <laughs> um this one was like creepy yeah uh scary i played a lot with different fears like they tease this thing with a scarecrow like this yeah. freaky looking scarecrow <laughs> and you're like that's gonna play into the movie later and then it does and you're like oh <laughs> but, <laughs> not the scarecrow yeah i was actually i will say this i was tempted to go because i'd finished nut job and i was just like ah oh, it's such an unfulfilling movie to watch. 
I really, maybe I should try and go see it. And I looked at, I was, I was on the border and I looked at show times and it wasn't until like two hours later and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was also like, well, I need to save up my like scare points as far as like watching scary movies for it when that comes out. Cause I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to make it through that. So yeah. yeah, I almost went and saw it. I've seen The Conjuring. Yeah. I feel like The Conjuring, you know, you said this one kind of built up well. Yeah. That was the nice thing about The Conjuring is that like it got crazy by the end, but it had built up built up effectively to that. It was it scary, it. dude. Yeah. That was a scary movie. Yeah. Um, and I like this Conjuring universe. Oh, other thing, mm-hmm. positive I'll say. I guess it's maybe a positive. It was creepy. But in, in the second Conjuring movie, which I thought was actually pretty good, I actually think I might have liked it a little bit better because I liked mm. the two main characters, Ed and, and Lorraine, like yeah. in their relationship. I thought it was really well fleshed out in that movie. Yeah. But um, they've announced for a while that the next Conjuring film is going to be The Nun, which is based off The Nun that was kind of one of the antagonists in... Well, actually, I apologize. Yes, the main antagonist in The Conjuring 2. Okay. And um, they did this little thing where like they like reference it and i was like oh that's the nun <laughs> i was like that's freaky yeah um and i was like that's kind of cool i like that because uh, it was scary but it wasn't like a like a like a jump scare type deal yeah but we haven't had any bad nuns that i know of <laughs> i mean in cinema there hasn't been any super famous bad nuns has there i think there has been but i can't remember i'm it's, sure somewhere one, like, of don't the get nightmare, me wrong. one of the nightmare in elm streets has a bad nun we've I had like remember. freaky nurses yes with that's like uh silent hill silent hill yeah um and yeah, they def- can't see and they just like wave razor blades everywhere. Yeah, and we definitely had bad like pastors and like preachers. Yeah. But I don't know about nuns. I don't know a lot of evil nuns. Well, we'll see. But um, <laughs> actually, no, there's that there's that like parody comedy movie with uh, Aubrey Plaza and, um, uh, oh gosh, who are they? Yeah, I can't I remember. They're like, they're like bad nuns essentially is what it is. I can't oh, remember okay. what it's called. Anyways. Um, I digress. So <laughs> I got to, if I wanted to rate this thing, I wanted to rate it higher, but I got to give it a 75. Okay. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good as I wanted it to be. And there's the, the just idiotic decisions were bugging me so much. I'm like, this, this needs to be better. They needed to do something different. Hmm. I thought it tied in really well to the first one and it's a better movie. I would have given the first one a D, maybe a D minus. This one's a lot better. Um, so 75 C, and uh, if you're into that sort of thing, check it out. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I got. Any other questions about it or anything? No, I'd love to. I would have also just love to say to our listeners, definitely let us know your thoughts. Yeah, for on sure. Either of these movies. Kind of if, you, if you're into uh, into uh, nutty things or uh, <laughs> scary things, let us no know. Puns. No puns. No puns. No puns. No nuns. No nuns. Oh, no puns. yeah. Okay. Anyways, so that's going to uh, wrap up our film review segment. Um mm-hmm. And uh, stay tuned, though. We're going to go into our Tube Talk segment, and it's going to be awesome. So, bam. Welcome back to our Tube Talk segment. Woohoo! Yes. And, uh, yeah, we get to, get to chat about a couple of things. We're still kind of in a little bit of a lull right a now bit. of, of new stuff. But Flash is coming back soon. Yes. Uh, Flash, Arrow, all that all that Mr. stuff. Mr. Robot's going to be there's starting some, up here yeah, soon. Yeah, there's some new new shows coming up as, as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so right now we're actually – it's so weird to think how – we are basically two episodes away from this season of Game of Thrones being yeah, done. Yeah, usually we'd be like, oh, we're about halfway. But yeah. now we're, <laughs> we're about three-fourths of the way done know, with the almost season. Almost done. Two yeah. episodes left. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's I think, where we're going to start out. We're going to start out with uh, the Game of Thrones recap. Now, I uh, mm-hmm. I 
for the sake of my time yes. and do, doing everything that I have to do and wanting to do this and make sure I can watch movies and do all that fun stuff, I have uh, dedicated to reading endlessly about what's <laughs> happening in the Game of Thrones world yes. where you actually get a chance to visualize it and see it. Correct. Are you sure um, you're not just scared of dragons, Matt? And I, you just no, I went back and watched the dragon. <laughs> that kidding. scene it's from amazing. last week that yeah. you were talking about, yeah. I went back and watched that scene. It's incredible. It is. The incredible. Co- there's a lot of awesome things that they're doing right now because of this whole season. I mean, they're, they've built up so many different story plots and so many different story elements yeah. with different characters. I mean, in this episode, we had the chance to see the Onion Knight you know, meet up with a character that he hadn't seen since, I think, season three? Yeah. I'm pretty sure like season three-ish sort of a time. So there's just like, you know, cool things that are kind of happening. And the dragons are part of that because right. we've seen the the dragons grow from being these like little things, the not being there to hatching, to growing into these big things, hoping that one day we get to see an amazing yeah. battle like this, then get to seeing an amazing battle against Tyrion's forces, against Cersei. And it's an amazingly choreographed, amazingly shot thing. It was just really cool. Yeah, It's up there. I think it's second to... Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, I think when I rated it, and I did watch that one as well because that was one of the ones that that when I was reading about it, people were like, "It was the most visually yeah. awesome thing." I'm like, because okay, the, I gotta watch this. The thing that's so good about it is, you know, obviously it's television. It's television, sort of. It's HBO. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. But it's limited. You know, it's limited with their budgets. It's limited with the scope of how big and how great they can make things with grand. I should say, not great. Still biggest budget though in TV. Right. I yeah. mean, it's huge, but still limited and yep. time-wise too because they have very quick turnaround for a lot of the episodes and so a lot of it has to come down to me at least for the stakes there have to be like connection points of emotion in the battle itself because you're not going to get this lord of the rings epic style giant battle mm-hmm. you know so with this there was with that battle there was just so much. i'm talking about the current know, episode know, right here but but um there was just so much stakes involved because yeah. you're like Wow, is Jamie gonna die? Wow, is Bron gonna die? Wow, is Cersei gonna die? Wow, is this dragon gonna die? And it's like you kind of want it but don't want it at the same time with like a lot yeah. of the characters. It's like it was just such a good, interesting thing, you know, yeah. that relied on more than just big epic grand battle. Right, exactly. So, and and for this this one particularly, I thought there was a couple of areas of interest, and obviously you can kind of talk on this too, because you have a different perspective on at least visually seeing it i didn't get a chance to see it all but yeah the um um the one where it they basically noted that um john snow rhaegar and liana yeah are um were married yeah so that's and so it's official he's not a he's not like a, a bastard child yeah like he had been officially like deemed it's a per the narrative of the story. Right. They're saying that, yes, that she, he and him were technically, he got an annulment with yep. the Dornish girl that he was married to yeah. and then ended up marrying her um, after the annulment. Secretly. Yeah, Secretly. Say, yeah. And so it does show that, yeah, John wasn't actually a bastard. Yeah. He is actually a rightful potential heir. To the throne. To the Targaryen throne. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is incredible. Yeah. If you think about how this all started there, right. when you go back to Ned researching lineages and you know trying to hide Jon Snow's true lineage, that's kind of where everything started at, yeah. and, and with Daenerys and everything like that. And it's gone all these seasons and all these crazy things and Red Wedding and Battle of the Bastards, yeah. and now we're meeting up again with that at the end. So yeah. amazingly well done in a lot of ways. I give a lot of credit to George R. R. Martin actually because I think he is the basis through which all that 
happened and started and came together. Mm-hmm. He's a really good storyteller. Yeah. You know, um, I wouldn't say that the, the showrunners have done a poor job with that, but I just wouldn't expect them to necessarily have that if they hadn't been pulling it from a pre-existing sort of narrative. And they talk about how when they, when they sat down with George R. R. Martin to make these films, they, they had to know the end. Yeah. They were, they said to him, like, you have to tell us the end prior in case anything bad happens to right, you, right. you know, prior to us going down the show. So they've known where it's going all along, you mm-hmm. know, so some props to them for putting that together. Yeah, I um, know for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed, and I'll say this too, I really enjoyed, it's not like a huge plot moment, but I enjoyed when, um, um, when John was petting Drogon. That was so freaky, but cool at the same time. Yeah. And you, it's cool how, like I said, you know, they're, I can't, I don't know what to compare to. It's almost like with Breaking Bad and having killed Jesse's girlfriend or allowed her to die and you wondering when that information is finally going to come out. Right. It's kind of like that with this in a different way. It's like wondering when it's going to come or out. Or Daenerys John's is kind of like, wait, how come he's able right. to pet this like dragon? One of the, and they did a really interesting thing is that this episode with uh, Gilly. Yeah. And she is, <laughs> she's sitting there talking with Sam. Yeah. And, um, there's that moment where she kind of says that, yeah. that basically the, you know, the whole idea of where John's lineage would come from. Right. And Sam just kind of brushes it over and he's like, cause he's upset and you're just like, no, Sam. Yeah. And it's like, you're hinting at it. It's yeah. like, we're constantly teasing that eventually there, this information is going to pass along. Cause you know, Bran up in the North knows this. You know what I mean? You yeah. know that he's the three-eyed hawk. He's seen it raven. in the visions. The three-eyed raven. Sorry, in a hawk. <laughs> three-eyed pigeon. Three-eyed raven. He's, he's seen the visions. He knows what's going on here. But he hasn't told John. He hasn't sent a letter. You yeah. know? So it's like, when is that final straw going to... Is it going to be a season ender thing? Is it going to be a season mid, mid-season, next season type thing? Um, so a lot of good things about this episode as far as setup. There wasn't a lot of action happening this episode a lot of it really was just set up for for sure what's going to be happening the next episode it looks cool and maybe the final episode of the season i feel like the the answer to this was obvious to me at the very beginning um and i'm talking about specifically the walker and the fact that they've been wanting to prove that the walkers are in fact real um to both daenerys and cersei and get the whole world kind of around them and they had tried it before with the arm and the arm had kind of like disintegrated on the way there right and but I immediately said to myself, like, why don't you just, you've got a dragon. Why don't you just like, you know, like one of those uh, claw machines yeah. <laughs> take the dragon? Because they don't shoot arrows up to this point. Why don't you just take the dragon there, bloop, pick one up the and claw. bring it back? Yeah, I mean, Daenerys could at least hop on her dragon. I mean, if it's yeah. close enough to go by boat, it's probably close enough to go by dragon, I would imagine. Fly up there, check things out, see what's going on, and then fly back. You know, I Maybe mean, dragons I don't, don't fly well in the and wind. And obviously cold. it's for story, you know, they need to stretch this out a bit more and i think that's the one kind of bad thing in a way that i've i've definitely felt about the season it's both fast and slow there's moments where they're like just boom boom things are happening Mm -hmm. but then there's other moments where it's like this long look and this like drawn out conversation that you know could have been wrapped up a lot quicker you know what i mean or a long moment of like shot 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 and then dialogue you know how often do you find yourself saying Dracaris. <laughs> not as not as much as oh, okay. you, obviously. Yeah. Man. Some someone something bugs me and I'm like, Dracaris. Yeah. Hoping that flame would ensue, but nothing happens. Yeah. And that was an interesting <laughs> part of this episode. So we saw we got to see sort of the impacts of the battle with Daenerys and the dragons and with um Dickon and his father yeah. and um Jamie I knew was gonna survive. There was no big surprise there. Yeah. I thought I was surprised 
a bit with the interaction between Tyrion and Jamie. I yeah. thought that was cool. Yeah. In a way, um, in it's interesting to, as well to see what's happening between Cersei and Jamie. Yeah. Because at the beginning of this season, I very much felt like they both were still in love with each other and they were just under bad circumstances. But now it's starting to almost feel like she's manipulating him. A little bit. A little huh? bit. Yeah. And he's kind of maybe manipulating. Well, we find out that she's pregnant in this episode. Her, right. Too. So she's pregnant. She's prego, which obviously that's not going to come to fruition anytime soon. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that's going to be, yeah, kaputs at some point. Um, Red wedding, hey, you know. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I it it I'm seeing how they're moving forward, and I'm enjoying it. It just feels like it's taking a little longer with some elements. Oh, I just thought of something. Oh, I just thought of something. Um, Arya has been like on the ven- vengeful path, like red wedding yeah. stuff. Like she, she kind of has already got them back for the red wedding, but yeah. Oh, well, she Cersei's still on her list though. She is, and and now like, but she's I don't. Be- <laughs> I feel like her losing her child would definitely be a huge hit for Cersei. But I don't necessarily want Arya to kill Cersei. I don't feel like it's horrible to say, but I don't feel like that's bad enough for Cersei. Right. I almost feel like Jaime needs to be the one that kills Cersei or Tyrion. You know, um, not that I want them to kill somebody, but like. After everything that she's done and all the lies and manipulations and killing people and torturing people, I think she just deserves to kind of have her worst things come to come to fruition. You know what I mean? So we'll we'll see. Um, I have a theory too, and this is I was asking you this earlier. I said, "Hey, yeah, Joel. Hey, are all Targaryens fireproof? Yes. And the reason why I asked that is obviously." Um, the first season, um, we know that when the dragons were born, um, she went into the fire and she came out unscathed. Right. Um, and here's the thing with that. I was doing a little bit of research myself Mm -hmm. and George Martin said- They're not. They're not. They're not. Right. However- They're like resistant He said, well, (laughs) yeah. And what he was saying though, was it probably won't ever happen again. Yeah. But it did happen again in right. season six. Special set of circumstances, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's making me think, okay, they're they're taking some creative liberties. And they have been. Mm-hmm. Apparently from here, they haven't been sticking straight to the books. Yeah, I mean, that's supposedly been one of the reasons that George R. R. Martin hasn't been involved right. with the show since about season five or so. So I was thinking, what if... What if John and <laughs> company go to catch a White Walker or yeah. whatever, a yeah. White or whatever they call the, like, the skeleton ones? Yeah. They... They bring it back to show Cersei, and Cersei's like, "Okay, I'm on board," but she's really concocting a plan to kill. And she, she definitely is, and she like blow blows up a bunch of people with dragon fire, like she likes to do. And John, Cersei or oh Cersei, yeah, and, yeah, and John's in the middle of it, and she's like, "Yeah, John's dead," but then he comes walking out of the fire. I'm like, "Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I would like that. That would be cool. That'd be cool. I don't know. I mean, a bunch of other people would have to die though. Probably like the Onion Knight. Yeah, I feel like Tormund there's and yeah his crush on Brienne. That's kind of the sad thing. So at the end of the episode, John leaves, and there's definitely a bit of something that's building between Daenerys and John. I just don't know what direction it's going in right now. The showrunners have said in some of those like behind the scenes type shots or like discussions of the episodes that there's a bit of a romantic thing kind of building, but I don't know if they're going to go full tilt with that. Or if they they're going to maybe they'll just be besties. Yeah, they might just be besties. I don't know at this point, but there definitely feels to be some sort of close knit relationship, especially after John basically swooned her dragon. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. She's like, "What the?" <laughs> you know, that was actually pretty funny the way that she's yeah. looking at this. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I felt like it was inappropriate for some reason when I was watching and pet the dragon. Oh, I, I like, love that know, part. I you don't just pet a girl's dragon; you yeah. got to ask her first. Or something. <laughs> I don't know, but that was such a freaky scene. But um, 
so at the end of the episode, you know, they're, they get in the boats and they go up north and they're at the East Watch. And I thought that was an interesting scene. And we're getting to see finally the Hound is like really coming back into the story, which yeah. I'm glad about because I think he's a great character. And you've been wondering about what like all these guys are, like all of his team and his crew, I forget the name of them right now, but like- The Brotherhood? Yeah, the Brotherhood. Like what what have they been, what has their purpose been this whole time? Oh, and then Gendry. Is it Gendry or Gendry? Uh, Gendry? Gendry. I Gendry. So, yeah. I, I, for, I forgot that he was a thing a few I, back. As soon as, as soon as Davos said, I've got business in Flea Bottom, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to go get Gendry. Uh, or Gendry, I can't think of it right now. But I was, I, I knew it and I called and I was watching this with my roommate and he was like, He's like, who's that? I was like, dude, it like it was like at the very beginning of the show. He's like Robert's, you know, bastard son. son. And that's another thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff that are like kind of finally, you know, the brotherhood. We've been wondering what the heck they're gonna do, what significant role, because there's obviously Caitlin Stark was supposed to be part of them. Right. They're not. But like, what purpose do they serve? And they're finally starting to see, okay, well, they've been around because they're gonna take this trip to help with the Walker things. Um then we have now Gendry, who's becoming this huge, you know, soldier and battler and helper of John, following after um, his dad's footsteps with the hammer. Yeah, and there's just a, there's just been a lot of like neat ways that the story is kind of tying into itself, and it's kind of coming full circle. And I thought it was a really, you know, the the whole scene with uh, Littlefinger and mm-hmm. the the he's basically tricking now at this point. We don't know if she's really tricked or not, Arya. but he's tricking Arya into into this situation where he's putting her sort of at odds with Sansa and he's using the note that Sansa made was kind of manipulated to make. I'm a little worried about Sansa. I am too. I, I've never been a huge fan of Sansa. I mean, I always felt like she was a bit of like a whiny kind well, of I'm spoiled. I'm worried that she's going to go like the dark side kind of, you know? She might. Yeah. I, I don't think she will, but she might. I don't think that she's, I think she might do some bad things, but she's going to come back. Um, We'll see. I mean, she did stand up for John. Yeah. Still, when he was not kind, like she, she did passively right. standing up for him. And you and I was like, oh, I bet Littlefinger is manipulating behind the scenes to get them to act this way. And sure right. enough, that was part of it. But I'm liking that, and I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I think Arya's plot now is more with Littlefinger, and I feel like she's more stuck there and probably going to kill him at yeah. some point. You got to think with the show sweet. too. What's the most sweet crazy thing that's going to happen in? That's probably going to be the outcome. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Um, that's kind of what I've been building to this whole keep getting sidetracked. But there's going to be some big deaths coming up, especially with this upcoming episode. It really looks like there might be some significant deaths. I mean, you've got Davos who's going to be up there. You've got Gendry who's going to be up there. Jorah. John is not going to dry. Yeah, Jorah is up there. You've got the whole Brotherhood. You've got the Hound. They're all going up to get to these, you know, walkers, these white walkers. I mean... Somebody's going to die. I really don't think they can get out of there unscathed. It's just a matter of like how many of them. I'm imagining a lot of the Brotherhood is probably going to go down. Um, I I hope Tormund makes it out. (laughs) One thing that I didn't see, which I'm hoping they were smart enough to do this, is the the dragon glass. I didn't see any of them with any dragon glass. And I'm like, did you not remember the fact that this kills the walker? You know, like... Why would you not bring any of that well, with you? Well, from what we know, you know, we have at least one Valyrian sword and yeah. one sword that apparently is going to burst into flame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, which they've been um, previewing yeah. that for a while. I was a bit, I was a bit confused in a way with Sam. I don't really know where he's headed right now. He just kind of was like, "Well, I'm up and leaving." I think he's going to be the one responsible for kind of breaking the news that John's. Uh, it's seeming Targaryen. like that. I mean, it's definitely seeming like that's it. I just don't know where he's going because yeah. he can't go to King's Landing. You know, he's on the run now from basically the people at the Citadel because he stole a bunch of like the top secret documents right. from them. I don't really know what purpose he's serving in the story right now, except that he's going to have to figure out 
I think like he mentioned this episode, he's going to try and figure out a way to destroy those guys for good. Right. Get rid of the walkers for good. And he's already figured out how to get rid of the dragon scale. Like mm-hmm. he's already figured out the solution for that. And I think he's going to be the guy to figure out how to break that curse yeah, as well. For so, sure. yeah. yeah. What would you rate this thing? So it was a bit of a letdown just in some minor ways. I know I'm saying good stuff, but it was more of a setup episode. Um, but there was some cool things that kind of happened there. I would give it, it's right now it's like on the border of B plus A minus kind of zone. I'm saying like 89. 88, 89. I feel like that's good to be uh, considered a letdown. I know. Okay. It was still a good episode. <laughs> I was expecting, I'm hoping, because I, I just want more. That's all. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I'm just disappointed because I want more and I'm not getting enough. Well, so, uh, I can't hold that against them in a way. Historically, penultimate episodes are pretty crazy. Oh, for Game of Thrones, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's sure. why I'm like, some people are going to die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some yeah. folks are going to die. So, okay, cool. Well, yeah. we'll check that out. I can't really give it a rating, but I, I liked what I uh, what I read. So, yep. cool. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive into this. Cause you brought up last week, um, season two yep. of master of none. You've been watching it, but you finished it, right? I, um, yes, I finished season two now. So I wouldn't say that I finished, um, I, there's a couple episodes from the first season that I haven't quite finished yet. Oh, okay. So I'm just kind of like, so you finished, but you finished the season two though. Yeah. So, the, okay. so I'm trying to figure out how I should explain this exactly. I jumped into season two after making it most of the way through season one. And then I jumped to the very end of season one to kind of, I don't know, to, to, to get caught up and to get where I needed to be, but I didn't really enjoy season one all that much. Okay. Like I think I mentioned. And so I, I more or less just kind of jumped in there to, uh, find out where the story was and to see if I was going to enjoy season two, because a lot of times the seasons can be a little bit different and a lot of things can change sort of between the different seasons. And yeah. so I was, you know, I was taking my time to kind of, um, give it a second chance, I yeah. guess you could say, cause I knew I wasn't going to like season one very much. So, um, overall, I, I really liked, I ended up really enjoying, um, this show, this okay. season of the show. Cool. For the most part, it wouldn't have been as good to me if not for a couple elements. Um, the... but, I know the acting was a problem for you. Yeah, the acting got better, which was one good That's thing good. Um, that I really liked about it. The cinematography pretty much all the way through, and especially closer to the end at times, really got good and really got better and better. And there was a couple scenes of just shots that really like, wow, that has like a really strong emotional feel to it. Yeah. And as the season progresses, I think this is what I like so much about it. Um, it builds on itself very nicely okay. in a relationship Two two key things. One, um, Aziz's character Dev is doing this show. It's Cupcake Wars, and he's this host for this show where <laughs> you know, and it's it gets sillier and sillier and crazier and crazier. And I really liked kind of the satire in a way that they did of the Cupcake Wars show in it. Yeah. And he's having career difficulties that felt very relatable. I think even though he's in a industry that most people don't have a part of and do much with, which is you know entertainment. Yeah it felt relatable still and the things that he's going through and the difficulties he's facing felt very relatable oh, cool. and felt interesting and fun. Um, and they introduced a character um, partway into the season. He starts interacting with the chef. His name's Chef Jeff. Uh, chef Jeff. played by, yeah, Bobby Cannavale. And he, I love him. He's a great actor and he plays a really funny role in this show and he's got layers and you can kind of sense. And that's one thing that's kind of... The show built and it grew very nicely into some of the stories that they had started with in the first season. And specifically, um, that relationship that he has with the chef, I felt was like kind of cool the way that it played out. The, the guy turns out to be a complete jerk and a liar. Um, 
but he's like kind of at the same time he's very important to Dev right. and Dev's career and in, in moving forward. And the big thing about the season that I think was just beautifully done was the, mo- the romantic relationship between him and the girl uh, Francesca, who's this Italian girl that you meet in the first episode of the, of the season. He's in Italy and he's learning how to make pasta and she's this friend who's dating this guy and you can tell there's kind of like some chemistry there, but you, you didn't know if that was just going to be like a friendly relationship or if it was mm-hmm. going to move forward. Then about halfway through the season, um, she comes back. She's visiting with her um, boyfriend at the time. Okay. And they reconnect and they rekindle. And it, the relationship between Dev and Francesca was in a way so relatable and so connectable. And I felt like... I've been through really? probably like <laughs> five or six of the situations. So it spoke to you personally. Yeah, because yeah. he, 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 you can tell that they automatically connected with each other and they liked each other, but she's with another guy. And so he's kind of just spending time with her. And then eventually just through the friendship that's there and their chemistry, they just begin liking each other and they, they begin caring for each other. It happens very naturally, but they're both very like, it's one of those like tension things where like, Neither one is willing to like go there and discuss it. And Dev has history with girls that you can obviously tell is kind of impacting his ability to um, open up about this yeah. stuff. And then she is ending, ends up being engaged to this other guy. And so there's like tension there because she, this is a life that she's lived. Right. She's known this guy that she's engaged to for many, many, many years. And they've been dating for many, many, many years. She's the only guy he's ever been with. She comes from a small Italian town. And... um their their way that they get connected over time and over the course of the last half of the season at least and it kind of builds that that relationship is so beautiful and kind of sad and real but also interesting and tense there's like a suspense to it like are they going to end up together are they not going to end up together right, right. i'm a bit and i don't talk about this too much but i'm a bit of a romantic you know what i mean <laughs> okay okay I'm not a huge one for like the silly little slapstick romantic comedies but like a good real romance in a film I can enjoy and I can get into. And I felt like this was handled so honestly and well. Um, and the beauty of that building from like a friendship into a romance, but then with the tension of, you know, can they be together? Should they be together? Was handled so nicely. The and, will they, won't they? Yeah. But again, like it was so real that it felt relatable and That's it cool. felt connectable. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know what, I don't want to tell personal stories. So it's like, I don't want to <laughs> sit here and talk about failed romances. Well, in the stay past tuned. We're going like to move into our next segment yeah, our next where Joel segment. talks about his life. It's the, it's <laughs> the real romance. That's what we call it. So no, so it just, it felt very relatable, felt very connectable. And then that mixed with the, the career drama, you know, I, I work for myself. I do a lot of my own work. And so this guy's kind of self-motivated in a way to, to make his career, become what it needs to be and so there was a relatability with that factor and i think it's getting very good reviews it's getting very positive marks i think a lot of that just to be honest probably has to do with there's some there's definitely some social commentary sure episodes and parts where it just really talks about social commentary type stuff and i'm assuming because that's always a huge critic favorite thing is when they bring those episodes and those things up in films and shows as well um that wasn't the stuff that i felt was so the best about it um it really was the relationship to yeah. Dev and his character and the characters that are around him and how those kind of move forward in this story. Um, so I ended up really enjoying it. And I think for the most part, it's a good show. There isn't really a lot of grotesque over the top, you know, sensational nudity, anything like that. I don't even know. I don't think there's any nudity for mm-hmm. the most part. There's definitely language. Um, there's definitely some witty, funny back and forth with a lot of the dialogue and the situations. And there's, there's moments where you're just kind of like, 
oh, really? Come on. Like, <laughs> not about the show, but just like the people that are in it doing stupid things. And you're just like, come on, that's stupid, but funny. So I would, re- I would recommend it to people, um, more of an adult type thing. I think kids would probably not really enjoy it, find it very relatable. And I will say as well, the one thing that definitely at times still always brought me out of it is there's still some really bad acting, bad acting, I just really bad yeah. at times. But by the end of it, the main story with Dev and Fr- Francesca and Chef Jeff becomes like the forefront of the story. And they're very good actors and actresses, as I should say. And so they, a lot of the bad acting kind of gets pushed to the outliers. And so there's less of that. So it's easier to get related to the story. Yeah. And uh, just a lot more enjoyable. That's cool. I feel like if I was a chef, I'd want to be named Jeff too. (laughs) Yeah, it rhymes. It's perfect. Well, he's like, you know, he's like Anthony Bourdain. He's like a Food Network star type guy. And that's cool. He turns out to be a bit of a jerk and kind Uh, of a horrible guy. Bummer. Yeah. Well, I mean, most likely is. Yeah. You don't know anything for sure yet, but most likely is. So, okay, yeah. I got you. Give, so, it, give it a rank. Full rating for this, I would give it a B. All right. Yeah. Cool. By the end of the second season, I'm going to try and go back and watch those first episodes of the first, no, the first episodes, the first season episodes, like I said, that I missed out that on. You, yeah. Yeah. It's like close to the center. I kind of jumped in, like the I said, little the last red progress and, bar is like halfway through. Yeah. On the Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Cool. No, like it's like episodes one through four. And then it's like nothing, 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 nothing. And then the last episode, and then season two. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Well, this is kind of the expedited, abridged version. Yeah. Um, oh, and really funny thing. I know we talked about Rick and Morty. Yeah. This is just kind of on a side point. This is a bonus. This is a bonus point. Yeah, this is a bonus real fact. So they've been doing this thing recently where they will take the episodes after they air on Cartoon Network and put it on their website. So people can stream it directly through their website. And they have ads and things yeah. like that, but it goes straight to the website and so people can watch it there. Um, and they did this thing where they said they were going to be doing a live stream of the episode. So basically it streams live with the air. So everybody's like, oh, wow, live stream. So a lot of people just went to the website to watch on the live stream. Turns out they were playing a bit of a practical joke, as they've been known to do. But they did a, a live reading of the episode. So they actually read the script. The two, like the characters and actors doing it? Well, it's like one actor is most okay. of the voices. But so they had the two main guys, the, Dan Harmon and uh, what's his face? Can't think of his name right now. Okay. Um, they read the they read the lines. I didn't see it. This yeah. is what I read. They read the lines of the script and then basically said like, "Yeah, you need to watch the episode as it's on TV." <laughs> <laughs> so a ton of people got really angry. That's there was funny. like they posted it on Twitter and all these people are just like, "You suck! I hate you! I was why <laughs> I was counting on you to show this." It was just really funny. Twitter's like where the most vile stuff lives too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. I don't really understand why they want to mess with their viewers that much, but I mean. They're like, ah, yeah, we're having fun. Um, yeah. This ep- this season hasn't been as good for Rick and Morty. For I me. gotcha. Hasn't been quite as interesting. So well, yeah. Um, well, hey, I think that's going to wrap up our tube talk segment. Um, and guys, if again you want to get connected with us, please do uh, tell us what you thought about Game of Thrones, what you thought about Master of None season two, Rick and Morty. Even if you were upset by that prank that they pulled on everybody, um, <laughs> I would love to hear from yeah, folks if they felt uh, for shoot it. us an email, realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Also, you can find our website, realreviewmedia.com, uh, and then also uh, on our Instagram and Twitter at realreviewmedia, and then Facebook slash real review media and you can find us there follow us friend us whatever that looks like these days and uh get get in that social media universe and make it happen but yeah that's gonna wrap up today anything else you want to add to that joel i'm awesome well that is awesome i'm glad you're awesome you all (laughs) out there stay awesome and have a wonderful awesome day there you go And remember to keep it real
It's been real. It's been real.